Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today we feature John Stott. Whether in the West or in the Third World, a hallmark of Stott's ministry has been expository preaching that addresses not only the hearts, but also the minds of contemporary men and women. In 2011, the evangelical world lost one of its greatest spokesmen, and I have lost one of my closest friends and advisors, said Billy Graham. Today, John Stott presents a sermon on Daily Responsibility. The theme of this day-by-day series is that uh, Christians are called to live a day at a time. Not by fits and starts, but day by day by day. Christians are not people who live only for yesterday. We are not people who live only for tomorrow. We are not people who live only for today, but we live each day in the light of yesterday and tomorrow. And that is God's calling to all of us, to live day by day. We began, therefore, to think of his daily grace. How new every morning is his love and his mercy towards us. So that as a result, although our outward man may decay, our inward person, our inward nature is being renewed day by day by this daily grace of God. No wonder then we praise God. Every day I will praise you. Bless your name from day to day. Last week we thought of another theme, and that was daily repentance. Uh, Jesus, our Lord, says to us that if anybody will come after him, Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross every day and follow him. So we have another everyday theme uh, this morning. It's daily responsibility, especially, as you may have guessed if you've been following alertly, especially in listening to his voice. So please take your Bible, the church Bible, and turn to the New Testament section, and I want to ask you to note immediately that my text occurs no fewer than three times in chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 15. While it is said, Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Chapter 4, verse 7. Again, he sets a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. A threefold exhortation, justifying a certain amount of sermonic repetition, an exhortation to daily listening, 
As God daily speaks, we should listen and not harden our hearts. I think it's very important, indeed it is very important, whenever we're studying a text of Scripture to see it in its context, and that's uh, particularly important when you're looking at the epistle to the Hebrews. I wonder if all of us know the context. The writer, who is anonymous, is addressing an essay, a theological essay, rather than a letter to certain Hebrew Christians, which is, of course, why we call the letter to the Hebrews. And these uh, Hebrew Christians had come to acknowledge Jesus as their Messiah, as the Son of God, and as their Savior. But now, for a variety of reasons, they were in danger of renouncing Jesus and lapsing back into Judaism. That was the situation. It may be the situation in somebody's life here, because we too whether we're Gentile Christians or Hebrew Christians, really doesn't matter, we too are exposed to the same danger. There isn't one of us here who isn't exposed to the danger of backsliding, the danger even of total apostasy. Why, the fight, the daily fight against the world, the flesh and the devil is unremitting, and we're sometimes tempted to give up. Persecution especially in the form of ridicule from our family and friends, is extremely painful to sensitive spirits. And then there is the pressure, the prevailing pressure of secularism. Intellectually and morally, the constant pressure through television, radio, the other mass media... It's very difficult to stand up against this pressure. It threatens to overwhelm us. So how can we possibly stand firm and not be swept away by the flood tide of secularism or of evil? How can we hold fast our confession, which is a phrase that comes many times in the letter to the Hebrews. How can we hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, and without loosening our grip? Or how can we cling to our Christian moorings, as he says at the beginning of chapter 2, and not drift away from them? That's the theme of the letter to the Hebrews. Glance down in chapter 3 to verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters. Take care, watch out lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. That's the situation. So what advice does the anonymous writer give as the best protection against backsliding? Well, one of his great themes is a theological theme, and that's not the one I'm going to follow this morning, but I suppose the major theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is unique. There is a certain uniqueness and a certain finality about Jesus Christ. God has spoken and God has acted once and for all and forever in Christ. And he is superior to every other person. He's superior to angels. He's superior to the prophets. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to Aaron. He's won an eternal redemption. 
So it's inconceivable that we should turn away from him. That's the main theme of Hebrew. It's a theological theme. But there is a second theme. That's our one this morning, a practical one. That is that we need to be perpetually vigilant and live day by day by day, a day at a time, listening every day to the voice of God, never hardening our hearts against him, but responding day by day as his voice comes to us. Then our hearts will never get hardened. We shall never drift further away because we live a day at a time, responding immediately, day by day, to the voice of God. It's a very important practical lesson. So let's look at our text and learn uh, two or three important things from it. The first is this. God is still speaking today. God is still speaking today. Fundamental to the thesis of the writer to the Hebrews is this truth that there is a voice. There is a heavenly voice to which we ought to be listening. Because he urges us in our text, you look down at Hebrews 3 verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So there is a voice to listen to. And the author takes it for granted that God is speaking with a living voice. And that through the biblical text which he is quoting. Now this truth that God is still speaking today provides us with a healthy corrective to a couple of false notions which are really fairly frequent in the church. The first false notion is this. God spoke, but he speaks no longer. These uh, Christians are people who would know Hebrews 1 verse 1 by heart, which says that in many and various ways God spoke in time past to the Father through the prophets, and in these last days he spoke to us in his Son, but they point out that both the verbs are in the past tense, they're aorists, and they speak of a God who spoke in the past. They're quite right, he did. Then they go on, this divine speech of centuries ago completed the revelation of God, and they are correct in that also, and closed the canon of Scripture. So that God spoke through the prophets, and he spoke in Christ, and the apostolic witness to Christ, and then he stopped speaking. And that's where they make a mistake. They're right in what they affirm, that God spoke but wrong in what they deny, that he's therefore speaking no longer. These people reduce scripture to a kind of museum in which, under glass, like a fossil, the word of God is exhibited, gathering mold and must and mildew. But scripture is not a museum, thank you very much. Again, they reduce the living God to an idol who, being dead, is also dumb. Concerning whom the psalmists and the prophets often said they have mouths, but they never speak. Now, that's true of an idol, 
but it isn't true of the living God. So you notice, don't you, in verse 7 at the beginning, as the Holy Spirit says. So the Holy Spirit is speaking with a living and contemporary voice. So we have to avoid that first notion, mistaken notion, which is that God spoke and he doesn't speak any longer. But the second is the opposite notion, and that is that God is speaking today, but what he says has little or nothing to do with Scripture. That is another mistaken notion. People who are saying that kind of thing evidently don't believe in the finality of Christ or in the finality of Scripture. No, they say they believe in fresh revelations that God is giving today that supplement Scripture and maybe the more extreme among them even say override Scripture because God is speaking Scripture such an old dead book. We need fresh revelations today. Uh, But that view, if you think about it, is is derogatory to the unique glory of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is God's last word to the world. God spoke in Jesus fully and finally, and in the apostolic, the historic witness of the apostles to that Jesus, and nothing can be added to what God has revealed in his incarnate Son. So we avoid those two extremes. The extreme that God spoke and doesn't speak anymore and the extreme that he is speaking and what he says has little or nothing to do with Scripture. Instead, the true and balanced notion is that God speaks through what he has spoken. That Scripture is not a museum piece. It is the vehicle of the living voice of God today. Now my text is an outstanding example of this tremendous truth that God what that what God spoke he speaks and speaks and speaks afresh in every generation. Let me show you from uh, the text how God's voice through scripture becomes contemporary in every new generation. Because what we find in Hebrews 3 and 4 actually spans 3,000 years, as I hope to show you. Stage 1 is the time of Moses, about 1200, 1250 B.C. And this is referred to in verse 8 of uh, chapter 3. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion... This is a quotation from Psalm 95, where as in the rebellion is translated as at Meribah, and as on the day of testing, which is translated again in Psalm 95 as at Massah in the wilderness. So the reference in verse 8 is to two incidents in the ministry of Moses, which happened at the beginning and the ending of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. In both occasions, there was no water, and the children of Israel complained against Moses, said, what on earth have you brought us into the desert for, that we should die of thirst? So Moses prays to God, God tells him what to do, he strikes a rock, and water gushes forth. 
And in both cases, instead of listening to God's word, his promises that he would bring them into the promised land, the people rebelled against his voice and put him to the test. So that's where the story begins, way back in the life of Moses, 1250-odd B.C. Stage two is the time of David, some 300 years later, when he wrote Psalm 95, and refers to these two incidents in the career of Moses, and says, Oh, that today, David is speaking in his own day, the 10th century or so B.C., Oh, that today you would listen to his voice and not harden your hearts as they did 300 years ago in the desert. Stage three jumps another thousand years after David to the first century A.D. when the unknown author of the epistle to the Hebrews quotes from Psalm 95 and applies it to his own readers and introduces it with the formula, verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says today. And that today is his own day in the first century A.D. And he was addressing to his readers the very same appeal to listen to the word of God as Moses had addressed to them and as David has addressed to them. The epistle to the Hebrews carries on the same exhortation in his own day. Stage four is today, August 1982, 2,000 years on in the story. And we read verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says today. And as we read it, we rightly apply it to ourselves. We say, what is that today? Why, it's the 22nd of August 1982. As you listen to his voice, don't harden your hearts. And the message comes to us today. Do you see then that God's appeal to his people to listen to his voice was given first through Moses in the desert, some 1200 B.C. It was repeated through David 300 years later in Psalm 95. It was repeated again in the first century A.D. through the epistle to the Hebrews and is repeated yet again to us in the 20th century A.D. through the New Testament as we read it. Because as chapter 4 verse 12 says, the word of God is living. The word of God is living and active and sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword as we read it today. It pricks the conscience. It stabs us awake. God speaks to it. Dear brothers and sisters, I hope so much that we may learn this lesson. It could change our lives. If you are one of those people who says God spoke, but he doesn't speak any longer, you're guilty of the folly of antiquarianism. If you say he speaks, but what he says has nothing to do with the Bible, you're guilty of the folly of existentialism, which cuts the roots of history. The truth is that God spoke through the prophets in Christ and in the apostolic witness to Christ. And now he still speaks through what he has spoken. It's a very beautiful thing that the Spanish edition of Good News for Modern Man, you know the today's English version, the Spanish edition, 
that is being sold today in millions in Latin America to both Roman Catholics and Protestants. Do you know what it's called? The title, it's not good news for modern man. The Spanish edition is God Speaks Today. And it's true. Some of you know the series of books of expositions of the Bible that are called The Bible Speaks Today. The Bible does speak today. God speaks through it. And that's the first lesson. Today, God is still speaking. Secondly, we must listen to his voice today. If today he is speaking, today we have to do the listening. One of the great tragedies in the whole history of mankind is that God is speaking, 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 and people are turning a deaf ear to his voice and not listening to him. It's only come home to me in fairly recent days the tremendous emphasis there is in Scripture on the necessity of listening to the voice of God. It's a great theme of Moses, particularly in Deuteronomy. Again and again in Deuteronomy we come across the phrase, Listen, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God, etc. Listen, O Israel. And be careful to do everything that God speaks to you. And then it will be well with you. Again, it's a great message of the prophets to whom the word of God came and through whom it came to the people. Especially Jeremiah. Many times this refrain comes in Jeremiah. God says, from the day your fathers came out of Egypt unto this very day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, day after day, but they did not listen, but stiffened their neck. And so this was the epitaph written over the grave of Israel, recorded in Second Chronicles 36. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, sent persistently to you by his messengers. But you kept mocking his messengers, despising his word, scoffing at his prophets, until the wrath of God rose against you, and there was no remedy. So through Moses and the prophets, again and again we hear this appeal, listen, listen to the voice of God. Then when Jesus came, we detect the same emphasis. Do you remember what Jesus said? Let these words sink down into your hearts. Or again, he who has ears to listen, let him listen. Or again at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, anybody who listens to these words of mine and obeys them, is a wise person building his house on rock. But anybody who listens to my teaching and does not obey it is a fool building the house of his life on sand. Man does not live by bread only. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy, he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We have to listen to his word. I wish we could hear that plaintive note in the voice of God. 
as in Psalm 95. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Or again in Psalm 81, Oh, Israel, if you would but listen to me. Is there somebody here like that? You're not listening to God's voice? He's been speaking to you from your mother's knee onwards from Sunday school, and you're not listening. Oh, that you would listen, God says to you today. It's a great problem all over the world. What do you think of the church today? It would be very difficult to generalize, I know, because the church varies from country to country and culture to culture. But I think it is true to say that its major sin is not listening to God's voice. In the West, the church continues to languish. In those countries of the third world in which the church is growing rapidly, it is almost always superficial and weak. Why? It's what Amos called a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Either because the word of God is not preached from the pulpit, or because the people in the pew do not listen to it, or worse still, because preacher and people harden their hearts against it. The church is dead whenever it is deaf. And the deadness of the church is due more than anything else to its deafness to the word of God. Oh, that you would listen. So firstly, today God is still speaking. Secondly, today we must listen to his voice. And thirdly, today we must not harden our hearts. I wonder if you're clear that Christian listening is different from other kinds of listening. Christian listening is not primarily a matter of the ear. Christian listening is primarily a matter of the heart. Christian listening is not just hearing the voice of God or comprehending the message of God. It's believing and obeying what God says. And that means the heart. Chapter 3 here, verse 12 and verse 13 both refer to the heart. Verse 12, take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. The hard heart does not believe the promises of God. Verse 12, 13, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you be hardened in your heart, again, by the deceitfulness of sin. And that kind of hard heart disobeys the word of God. Hence the emphasis on today. Every day we need to listen to God's word. Every day, immediately we have heard his voice, we need to respond to him in faith and obedience. Don't let's ever read the scripture without immediately responding to it. Either because we allow the words to flow over us like water off a duck's back and we're not attending, or because we postpone the decision. Yes, as we're reading, God is speaking, but it's a bit uncomfortable. It'll be more congenial tomorrow, or the day after tomorrow, or the day after that. It's not very convenient at the moment, Lord, if you don't mind very much. So we postpone a response, and then we're hardening our heart against his word. 
And maybe we deliberately refuse to do what it says. Friend, don't boast of tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring forth. It will never be easier than today. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And it's today that we must not harden our hearts against his word. And notice in passing, I'll close in a a moment or two, notice in verse 13, we are to exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. Our responsibility, in other words, is not just to listen to the word of God ourselves in ear and heart, but exhort one another to do it also in the Christian family. We need to warn each other. If we see any signs in one another of lethargy or of procrastination or of disobedience or of a hardening heart, then let us love one another enough to exhort one another while it is called today to be responsive to the word of God. That's the value of being in a fellowship group. So that we can exhort one another. It's the value of personal Christian friendships. Well, let me just recapitulate and conclude. We thought about the place of a voice and an ear and a heart in the process of communication from God to man. We thought about the living voice of God who speaks through what he has spoken. We thought about the attentive ear of people who listen to his voice. And we've thought about the importance of not hardening our heart, but believing and obeying what he says to us and doing it instantly and not putting it off. Now, in conclusion, a couple of words. First, a special word to any here who are preachers. We have the privilege of welcoming clergy on vacation Not infrequently in all souls. Some come uh, with their clerical collar, some come in heavy disguise. (laughs) Some hide behind pillars and hope people won't notice they're here. And I have a word for you, my brother. Your church members may not read the scripture daily, But are you making sure that they hear it at least weekly when you preach? I say to my brother clergy, let us repent of any slackness in the preparation of our sermons. And let us seek every Sunday and before the Sunday comes, let us seek to discover God's word for God's people that day. Let us make a fresh determination to study the scripture with integrity, to expound the scripture with clarity, to apply the scripture with contemporary relevance. And let's at least be sure that the people remember our text. We may perhaps encourage them to write it on a postcard and put it on their desk, their office desk, or on their dressing table, or on the sink, in the kitchen, So that throughout the week they remember Sunday's text and meditate on it and the voice of God comes to them again and again and again throughout the week. And that way they can listen to God's voice. Let it not be our fault that they don't hear his voice. And finally a word to all of us 
on our need to listen to the word of God. You know, the best illustration, I think, in the Holy Scripture of this daily listening is given us in Jesus himself when the Old Testament is seen as that shadowy figure, the servant of the Lord in Isaiah. We often call him the suffering servant of the Lord, but in those servant songs in Isaiah, he's not only the suffering servant, he's also the listening and the teaching servant. Do you remember Isaiah 50? Morning by morning he wakens. This is the servant speaking. This is Jesus before the incarnation. Morning by morning he wakens. He wakens my ear to listen like those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. Let us follow Jesus in that. Almost nothing is more important for the health of our Christian life than that God should waken us morning by morning. Maybe through his own gentle whisper direct into our ear. Maybe through that tolerably gentlemanly bleep of the court's watch. Or maybe through the cacophony of an old-fashioned alarm clock. God has different ways of wakening his people But let's be sure that he wakens us morning by morning. That morning by morning we read his word. And as we read it we listen expectantly to his living voice. And we take upon our lips the words of Samuel. Speak Lord, your servant is listening. And we don't only listen expectantly, we listen obediently. Never, never hardening our hearts against him and his word, but responding immediately. It's a lovely word in Proverbs where wisdom, another really Jesus before the incarnation, personified wisdom in Proverbs says, happy is the person who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. For he who finds me finds life, and he who misses me injures himself. So, brethren, today, listen to his voice, and I beg you, do not harden your hearts against him. Let us pray. A moment of silence in which, through the word, we have been studying the living voice of the living God may come to us. Let us listen. What has he said to us this morning? And how are we to respond? We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a living and a speaking God. You are neither dead nor dumb. We pray that you will open our ears to hear your voice and give us grace each day to respond to it, not hardening our hearts, but surrendering to your gracious authority. We ask it for the glory of your great and worthy name. Amen.
You've been listening to John Stott. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.